Welcome to the Good Reading Podcast, proudly sponsored by Book People Gift Cards. A Book People gift card is the perfect gift for readers of all ages. Simply order your gift card online at bookpeoplegiftcards.org.au. Redeem at any one of over 500 bookshops across Australia. Visit bookpeoplegiftcards.org.au. Badakshan Province. Laura Jones had never felt so scared in her life. When the bandits had first appeared around them, it hadn't felt real. It was a dream, a bad dream, as if it was happening to someone else. She'd been shocked into silence, too terrified to scream. She couldn't have run if she'd tried. In the initial moments of capture, Laura had discovered what it truly meant to be petrified. She'd been terrified into total stillness. The men who had captured them had roguish smiles and laughed with each other, seemingly delighted with their prize. Laura had expected the worst, and she'd almost cried with relief when she wasn't pulled from her mule and raped. It was a terrible fear in her mind, but so far the kidnappers had treated her and the other women with dignity, at least as much dignity as it was possible to have when another human being has enslaved you. Everything will be all right, Tasneem told Laura as their mules were pushed close together in a narrow mountain pass. If they wanted to hurt us, they would have done it already. If they don't want to hurt us, then why are they armed? Everyone is armed here. It's a dangerous place. We weren't armed, Laura replied, feeling foolish. We should have had guards. We have God, Tasneem said, as though that settled the matter. She was the most religious of the four women. Laura had never considered herself a religious person but she'd prayed more in the past few hours than she'd done in the three decades of her life. What will they do to us? That, Tasneem said, you'll have to wait to find out. Until then, drink when you can, eat when you can, and sleep when you can. When the time comes, we must be ready. Andy McNabb is an author who draws on his experience as a member of 22nd SAS Regiment. Andy's written a number of non-fiction bestsellers, including Bravo 2-0, the biggest-selling British work of military history. Today, I'm talking to Andy McNabb about his latest book, The Rescue, the true story of the SAS mission to save hostages from the Taliban. Andy, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you. We've all witnessed the recent chaotic withdrawal of US troops from that long and intractable war in Afghanistan. But what was the state of the war in which your story is set? It was proactive and, and quite productive at that stage. This is the story set in, in, in uh, 2012, in particularly in, in northern Afghanistan, where there wasn't that much um, uh, of a huge uh, military presence up there. But at, at that time, 2012, I was actually a, an advisor for the, um, the, the UK's Ministry of Defence. So um, for those two post-9-11 wars, I'd go to trips to initially Iraq and then... Um, after that, Afghanistan, to spend time with infantry battalions. And and basically, it was all about their operational requirement, what they need on the ground today, rather than, you know, uh, like a whole sort of like all corporate processes. You know, it takes a while for you to get to the point where somebody's going to buy something, Um, whether it's something to do with, you know, with the weapons they carried or the kit or, you know, anything that they needed on the ground and make them them operate. Um, And and, and even at those, um, uh, if you like, early stages, 2012, there was moves going on, um, that initial moves to, you know, to train and, and, and in fact, raise the Afghan National Army. So they get to the point of 
um, handover. And um, so there was still a lot of efforts going on to train them. And it was looking good, actually. It was looking good. Um, uh, many Afghans were joining the Afghan National Army. There was, uh, uh, um, you know, lots of facilities, lots of money and training to, to get them up to the standards. So things were looking good. And the destination for this rescue, the rescue that occurs in your story, lies in Badakhshan province in the northeast of Afghanistan. What kind of physical challenges does that area present? Um, very mountainous. When we when we we you know think of Iraq and Afghanistan, we get sort of caught up in because we see a lot of sand or you know or what we call the green zone, you know, where the canals are, where the, where the particularly sort of poppies are grown. Um, but actually, uh, up in 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 the area, it's, it's it's bordered by many of the what are called the stands, you know, the different uh, countries and particularly China as well. And it's very very mountainous. So for you know just not for this um, past. Um, uh, uh, campaign, but for literally centuries, it's you know everybody's tried to dominate that that ground um, and have been really unsuccessful. You know, um, uh, the, you know, so there's there's hundreds of of years of of tunneling that's been dug by different sort of resistance groups to whatever the invader was at that stage. Um, so it's quite uh, impregnable. Hence, one of the reasons why you know hostages uh, uh, will be taken to those areas because they're quite easy to defend. The story revolves around a couple of different characters. Uh, the first one I'll bring up is Laura Jones. She's um, part of a group of kidnapped NGO workers, and the story is partly told through the eyes of Laura. Who is Laura Jones, and how did she come to be on a lonely mountain road in Badakhshan province? There's a lot of people that, that volunteer to go and work for NGOs um, at a real sort of humanitarian uh, level, whether it's what we tend to think of, of you know healthcare and, and giving shelter and all that. But people go there, in fact, in, in, in many conflict zones. It'd be happening now in Gaza, people volunteer to go to actually help, particularly in, in uh, these NGOs um, areas, or women and children, you know, so it's it's not only healthcare, it's education. So there's there's many people um that volunteer. And certainly from a military point of view, there's sort of two Schools of thought. First of all, is is the school of thought of you know what they're doing. They're mad because what they're doing when they do get kidnapped, they put the lives of the military in danger because they've got to try and, and get them. And there's the other school of thought um, that actually you know they they are a bit crazy, but actually people quite admire them for actually risking their lives to in effect to do a good thing. And I found out you know certainly as a as a young man and then, and, and sort of going through the the military system um initially i had those both of those feelings you know, initially I, was, I thought well you know all, all they're doing is is you know they're, they're digging their nose into something that has nothing to do with them and then as you get older and you actually see the work they do you think well actually you quite admire them well she's one person at risk but there's a, as you say a whole group of other people and we follow the career and the part played in the rescue by sergeant harry allen Alan comes across as a very driven character. The Scotsman lived and breathed soldiering, I think is how he's described. Is he the kind of man who will do anything for the sake of this mission? Yeah, there's, there's, it's an amalgam of, 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 of a couple of the, the sort of patrol commanders uh, were on it. And we, we, I think it's through the media, you know, sort of films and you know, TV shows and stuff that we, we, we see, we see these hard sort of dedicated, you know, push through characters. Um, they they're not the vast majority but they 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 exist and um for every sort of certainly uh, uh you know special forces organizations where you know wherever you come from whatever country the most important thing 
is when you're on a job. They're, they're called jobs rather than missions, you know. It's, it, it, it sort of just calm everything down. When you're on a job, the the only important thing is the mission statement. And everything you do, everything you do on your planning preparation, everything you do on the ground is to achieve that mission statement. And you know, for something like, like this, it would be simply to rescue the hostages. And that's it. And that's it. And then you've got people like Harry that have got a capability to just focus on that. Just that that one and only sentence and then push through. Um, and, and they're the sort of people that you want, particularly on the ground, because of no matter what, the mission statement is 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 continuing no matter what. And these kinds of operations involve the US Navy SEAL Team 6 and the SAS. Alan is part of an elite group of operatives, uh, all with various skills. But what kind of leadership is required of Sergeant Allen uh, in order to make this uh, this job a success? It's not only that that sort of focus on the on the mission statement. It's actually um, there's a man management element to it as well. So um, as in all these these conflicts, since we've you know well from First World War basically onwards after the First World War, we don't fight sovereign wars anymore. We're not particularly worried about an invasion into our you know, in, in our own back garden. So we, 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 we've, we've tend to post Second World War fight these, um, uh, in effect, wars of choice, political um, uh, wars. So, um, and then from that, there's a lot of, if you like, amalgamation of troops, you know, because different troops or different organisations will have different assets and different countries, different assets. For decades, there's a huge amount of of, of cross-training and, and cross-sort of... Uh, filtering of, of special forces groups both within the united states and and in the uk so there'll be you know organizations will send like the the, the special air service will be sending people to uh, Delta force team seal teams for a couple of years they will you know become part of their 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 what they call their order of battle and they'll be sending people to us so there's a lot of um uh, a lot of cross training people know a lot of people to try and get this if you like this political sense out of the way and try to work as 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 one group, but as what what happens in all, all these organisations, you know, there, there's people who who you know they think they should be on the job, and you know all this sort of stuff goes on. So on on the on the ground, certainly during the plan preparation, there's got to be sort of a, a bit political as well to make sure that everybody's working together. When we look at these types of actions, so whether they're in 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 a war zone or whether they there might be a, a terrorist sort of a, a event that happens, and you know whatever countries special forces go in to do something, um, that it's 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 that's the tip of the spear. You know, nothing happens without information. The most powerful weapon in any job that goes on is the information that you've got to go in and do it. And sometimes it's great information. Sometimes. Intelligence suggests, which means they're not sure, but that's the reason why you have special forces, because they can go in with with uh, a minimum amount of information. But the more information you got, the better. So you have your what you call your reps. So you'd have your intelligence service reps who works with the the CIA rep in Bagram, which was a large um, uh, military airbase um, outside of, of, of Baghdad. And obviously there's all the, you know, all the, the information's come out now of the, you know, the, the CIA prison there and all that sort of stuff that, that was going on. But from there, they, you know, they're, they're getting the information and then it starts to, to, to move out, to collect more information to sort of um, uh, drone operators who, who operate 
these uh, aircraft uh, over Afghanistan, um, just outside of Las Vegas. They literally do a shift. They go in, they sit on a gaming, like a gaming uh, chair, you know, what kids use to, to play games. And they're operating these, these, these aircraft for surveillance and attack um, from, uh, uh, from Las Vegas. You've got a, a lot of intelligence that's grown on, on the ground because not all Afghanistans were, you know, uh, you know against the NATO forces. So there's this collation of information and once that that happens it's then you know how this is what's going on so what assets do we need should yeah of course we need sf to be on the ground but then we need constant surveillance we need um uh, uh air cover you know we need air cover for the helicopters that are going to get the the teams into the ground we need air cover once they're on the ground to make sure they can carry out their mission you know the mission statement that was talking about so you've got this huge array of of, of assets air assets ground assets information assets um uh, whether it's you now technical information or whether it's 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 human information all coming in and you're trying to make sense of it um and how best to use it and there's a parallel story. Umid is a young Afghani man who initially goes to work for a local warlord. He's not Taliban yet, but how did Umid come to be involved in this kidnapping? A lot, a lot of these things. Um, certainly, what happens is is um, it's about money. It, it's about a certain amount of status. Um, uh, because we've got, you know, we've got to remember that these, these, the, you know, if you're a, I don't know, if you're you're a farmer. Um, uh, you know the, the the cash crop of the country, of course, is 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 opium. So there's been a lot of eradication going on, you know. And then, so what you've got literally, uh, you know, you grow something like watermelon. You know what I mean? So everybody's growing watermelon. You can get two crops a year out, out of watermelon, but there's so much of it. There's no money because nobody's buying sort of watermelon. So the only way that the the money for the the family can be made is. There's a number of ways you can join the Taliban or you can join the Afghan National Army or you just become like a bandit and a militant and try and make money, you know, between those two organizations. And 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 literally, you know, you can go into some of these compounds, uh, compounds like a big farm sort of complexes, you know, where lots of families live. Um, and they have some of their sons in the Afghan National Army. They have some of them in the Taliban because they're edging their bets. They're edging their bets, you know, and the, and, and the Taliban have got to stop fighting in the summertime because they've got to go back and start tending to the crops. And then, so we have fighting seasons in, or we had fighting seasons in, in Afghanistan because of, of the, you know, the economic pressures these people have got. Your previous book, The Hunt, was the story of the hunt for a Taliban warlord, a clearly identified target, but the job in the rescue is recovery of hostages. Now that means many or more potential complications, more things can go wrong. What kind of mindset needs to be built around rescue rather than hunt it's quite interesting it, everybody is you know whether you're the, you know, the hostage takers or, or the or the or the hostage from planning and preparation onwards you know the mission statement to rescue the hostages and that's always said twice by the way in the orders format so it's very very clear very very clear and even to the air crews it's exactly the same mission statement that, that's given but what happens when you're on the ground they, they have to be treated like everyone else um uh, because you know you 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 have certainly hostages that that sometimes will the sense of relief that they'll get in there they you know there's an attempt to rescue them actually they can hamper the rescue because what they want to do is a bit like a somebody drowning you know where somebody swing you know lifeguard swims out basically they want to grab hold of them 
and and sort of um, you know for for support where the you know lifeguards got to grip them to actually you know to save them. Um, so sometimes they they literally get in the way of you uh, rescuing them. So that you know so you have to be quite harsh with them anyway and, and quite violent um, uh, to 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 keep them safe. Quite frankly. Um, and then when they are brought out with any any surviving sort of hostage takers, they're treated exactly the same as the, the survivors because you have no guarantee what they're going to do, um, whether they're, they're doing it out of sheer fear, whether they're doing it out of the fact is, do you know what? Well, uh, uh, I support you know, what they what the hostage takers are, are doing. It, it's a really strange sort of situation because it's, it's quite something unique for the certainly for the hostages. Um, uh, to go through so you can't really guarantee what they're going to do so they have to be quite gripped so when you when you think about the the the, the situation um it's not as if you, you know that the, these people at that time uh, um will be getting a cuddle uh they, they'll be treated like everybody else so when you go in you're looking at the situation in front of you um rather than worrying about the hostages um and it it and and the reason for that is that actually one once it you know when things go what we call go noisy once it starts going noisy, um, uh, it, there is a um, uh, if you like the you know the free tenancies is speed surprise and violence of action. Sometimes that happens to the hostages as well to keep them safe. Um, it's quite a brutal existence, but um, the fact is that chances are they'll be dead anyway in a few days. Well, Andy, it's a great story, and I think it's as close as many of us will come to that experience. But I want to thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you. I've been talking to Andy McNabb about his new book, The Rescue, the true story of the SAS mission to save hostages from the Taliban. It's published by Wildeck, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. This Good Reading Podcast was brought to you by Book People Gift Cards. Share the joy of reading with a Book People Gift Card. To find out more, visit bookpeoplegiftcards.org.au.